will sing, I will sing of the goodness of God. And we say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Yes, I do. For your mercy never fails me. All my days, all my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing it again, I love you, Lord. Because you love to bless us as your children. You have never stopped to show us your kindness. Thank you for always embracing us. Even when we feel filthy. When we don't believe in ourselves, you have never stopped believing in us. Even in the midst of our faithfulness, you are still faithful. Lord, 
It is your good pleasure to give us good gifts. Miracles are part of the expression of your mercy and your kindness. Healings and deliverance. They are part of the wonderful face you give to your children. So we thank you, Father, because in this service, we will experience your love in new dimensions. And our life will not be the same. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Shout amen, somebody. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. Now, I have something for you to do for me. You may not understand why. Okay, good. Now, I just want to go out of your way. Look at your neighbor or someone around your vicinity right now if you're online. And tell the person something amazing that the person may not even know he or she have. All right? Tell the person something amazing. And say, you know, I looked at you. I, I, I just feel to tell you that. Just tell something, something amazing. You know, something that will make the best say, oh my God. That, is that really me? I didn't know that about me. Can you do that right now? Say something amazing. You're a great guy, you know. Very, very great guy. You don't know you're a great guy. You're a very great guy, BJ. You're a very great guy. I see you doing great things. Yeah, you're a great guy. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm going to ask what your neighbor said to you. I'm going to ask what your neighbor... So in case you are the person that you didn't, really, you didn't really say something, I'm going to just ask. So get me the microphone before we talk. All right, those of you who are joining online, just enjoy this moment, okay? Now, so I'm going to ask the amazing thing. Hey, don't, nobody should go out. Where are those who are going out? Why? Are you enemies of amazing things? Okay. Okay. So in case you did not really say something amazing, because I really want you, I want to know whether you are still a Christian. So go ahead and say something amazing from the depth of your heart. Okay, now say something that you don't normally say. You know, that, you know, something great. All right. Now, some of you, you have run out of your ideas. Is that how you run out of ideas? You don't know what to say? Is the person not looking nice? Is the hairstyle not fine? Is the person not beautiful? Is he not handsome? Is he not fearfully and wonderfully made? Can't you see the apple of God's eye standing before you? All right. Now put your hands together for Jesus. Glory be to God. You may please be seated. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you to this service. Those of you who are joining online, I also want to welcome you. It's always a pleasure to have all of us online and in person joining our services. One thing is certain, he who has begun a good work will not, will not stop until it is perfected in your life. Say with me, God is not stopping now. He will perfect what he has started. Hallelujah. So I want you to open your Bible with me this morning to Luke chapter 11. One of the things, today is day 20 of our 21 days fasting and prayer. All right. I thought you were going to be happy. Glory be to God. Now, online audience, we're, we'll be praying. Fantastic. I told you we'll be praying in this service. All right. But we need to lay a foundation for prayer. So, Luke chapter 11. I'll read from New Living Translation from verse 1. Luke 11 from verse 1. So it says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, <clears throat> as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, you realize that for if somebody see you cooking and somebody then come to you and said, hey, please teach me how to cook, that means that They've seen something about your food, right? If not, they will not ask you to teach them how to cook that same soup. 
So there must be something about the way Jesus prays that must have made this disciple want to just pray like him. So he said, teach us to pray. So Jesus never objected. So he said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. So now let's look at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Now, some people felt that Jesus was saying that every time you pray, you should be repeating this prayer. So some have made it what we call the lost prayer. They taught us in school. Um, when we're in maybe primary or secondary school, so you see them say that when you want to pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. But I don't think that's what Jesus meant because if that was what Jesus meant, we at least we have the account when he was before the grave of Lazarus. Do you realize that he did not say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in front of the grave of Lazarus, which was in John chapter 11? When he was praying for that woman also, he didn't say, hey, the woman that was bound um, 18 years, who was bent over, he didn't begin to say, our father who art in heaven, I love thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth and as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He was not saying that. He didn't say that. Okay? Or when he entered into the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, you know, the Bible even said that he prayed, Lord, let this cup pass over me. He didn't say, Our Father who art in heaven, I love thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth. And, no. So you see, we don't, it was, it, that means he was teaching a principle, not a prayer we should be praying in form of repetition. That's what I need to let you know. So we need to be able to understand the principle behind what Jesus was teaching when he taught on the subject of prayer. Okay, and it's not for us to begin to repeat verbatim what he said. Because after this occasion, you, you, we never read any other place again where Jesus was repeating this prayer. In fact, also in Luke chapter 4, uh, in Acts chapter 4, when the disciples were going to pray, all right, they rather pray, Lord, give us boldness. They never repeated, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. They said, give us boldness that by your hand you will stretch forth your hand and heal the sick and do mighty works. So I'm trying to let you know that anybody that says that this is how you must always pray, just repeat this lost prayer, all right? It is wrong. Jesus never said that. But how, however, what Jesus was communicating here is the principle behind prayer. The, there are key aspects of prayer. So let's go now. Verse 2. This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. So there's a principle in that one, which is worship. You begin your prayer with worship. You begin your prayer with acknowledging the fatherhood of God in your life. He didn't say when you pray, pray to him as a God. He said pray to him as a father. Because you see, fathers, you see, you can also say pray to him as a mother, all right? Even though they use masculine word, you can call it father or mother. Because you see, parents have emotional attachment to their children, you know? And parents knows how to give more than their children can ask. There are so many things that my children have enjoyed today that they could not have. They don't even know it exists. There are places I have taken my children to that if I ask them from now till Saturday to mention where they want to go. They will be mentioning maybe just right, um, Mr. Biggs. But you see, all those places was because I took them there. Or maybe they saw it. But there are places that even till now, they don't even know. All right? So that is why you must know whenever you are praying and you say, you begin to celebrate the fatherhood of God. One of the things you are saying is that, you know, even though what I'm, I'm about to pray for is this. I know that you, as a father, there are so many things you are going to do in my life that I cannot even think or ask for. I know that you are in charge of the affairs of my life. You know, my children did not even pray for school before I sent them to school. They don't, they, I, I, I decided to pay their school fees. I, I buy them a lot of things. So, so I want you to know that God's goodness is not limited to how much you can ask. God's goodness is not tied to how much you can pray. So that is why you must always learn to start your prayer with our father, my father, my father. You see, when you declare him as father, you are saying, even if I'm asking for this, I know you can do much more than that. 
I know so many things that I cannot even comprehend now that you can do for me because he's a good, good father. So Jesus came, you know, to help us to know that our prayer, we should always go before him and always know and acknowledge that he is your father and he's a responsible father. He will send you to school. He will provide for your daily needs. He will, he will buy your Christmas clothes for you. He will pay your house rent. He's a responsible father. Say with me, he's a responsible father. Say with me, he's a responsible father. Now, I, I'm not going to want, I, I don't want to dwell so much on the principle, but because I really want to draw out some key points here. So then he went to verse 3. He said, give us each day the food we need. Then verse 4, this is a short prayer. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Pause. This is where I want to focus. You see, when we teach on the subject of prayer, we teach on the verse 2 to 3, but oftentimes we don't really focus on this last part. And forgive us our sins now, it's as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, why, why is it important that Jesus taught this principle? Number one, because sin can always and we always create a barrier between you and God and the effectiveness of your prayer. But you know, the amazing thing, I'll give me verse 4 again, if you look at this. The amazing thing is this. He said, forgive me my sin. Now, on the grounds of what? As I forgive those who sin against me. So in other words, this principle of prayer is that your, your attitude and your relationship with other people affects the effectiveness of your prayer and determines whether your prayer will be answered or not. People often, when we fast and pray, you see, we focus more on our relationship with God and we think less of how we treat other people. So we think that how you treat your neighbor has nothing to do with your prayer life. But Jesus is here letting you know that, you see, how you relate with other people, how you treat other people, your attitude and your approach and your action towards other people can affect your prayer before God. We don't think about it. So when we fast and pray, and when we don't see answer to our prayer, do you know what we do? We check whether the devil is behind it. Then we go and say, maybe we should, I should start praising God. Then we praise, we do fasting, we do marathon, we do vigil, we do all these other things. But do you know that Oftentimes, we don't sit back to look at one of the key components of that in that prayer, which is how are you treating people around you? How are you relating with people around you? Is one area we don't check. So we bind the devil. But the devil says, hey, no, I'm not the one. We engage in all night. We will even think of them that fasting is not enough. So we fast more. We fast more. We fast more. We do white fasting. We do um, Daniel fast. We do all manner of fast. But yet the problem is not going away. And it never occurred to us to go back to this principle that Jesus taught. And see that he said, forgive us as we forgive our what? Neighbor. In other words, how you treat your neighbor matters to God. And it's one key factor that is hindering the prayer of most Christians today, but they don't know. A lot of the interest of our prayer is not even God, it's not the devil, it's we ourselves because we look down on our neighbor, we look down on other people, we think that it has no relevance or no bearing on our prayer. But Jesus said, he's saying to you right now, it does. It does. Your relationship with other people has a bearing on your prayer. Your relationship with other people has a bearing on your prayer. Why is this important for us to know? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. 
New Living Translation still, verse 43. Look at what Jesus said. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and aid your enemy. Now, this is what the law said. In fact, remember that David said, I, I, I ate those who don't like you, Lord. I ate them. I ate those who don't keep your word. Remember that Elijah even killed all the prophets, 400 of them, who were, not, who were not loving God. That was what the law said. Remember that even God told Saul to go into a place, um, Amalekite, and kill everybody there. The king, the children, male, female, say, God said they are the enemies of God. Kill all of them. And Saul saved one person. And God was angry with him. Samuel said that you have disobeyed God. So you see, in the Old Testament, any, the enemies of God can stand. It's normal to hate them. But Jesus said, you have heard it from your prophet. Because he said, those days, the, why did he say you have heard it? Because the prophet or the priest would stand in the temple to read out the law of God to them. They don't have a personal Bible that they can read. So he didn't say you have read it. He said, you have heard it. You heard it. That has been said, love your neighbor, hate what? Your enemies. Verse 44, then look at what Jesus said. But I say, <laughs> but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who what? Persecute you. Verse 45. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. Now, remember when they said, when you pray, what should you say? Say, our father, which are what? In heaven. So, in other words, when you come to pray and you stand before God, God is looking at you. Is this guy acting like me? Because he has called me father, which are in heaven. Or is he not? And what is, how is God going to judge you whether you are acting like him or not? How you have been treating your neighbor? Whether the gauge, the scale is this. Does he pray for his enemies? Does he love his enemies? Do you understand? See, Jesus said, you will be acting like your father which is in heaven. Now, your father which is in heaven, when you come before him, he's looked down on you and it's like, hey, oh boy, you've come. And it's like, okay, we, should we do something for him or not? Then the question is, how does he treat his enemies? Not how does he treat his friend? How does he treat his enemy? Because that is, what, that is what determines whether you are a child of God or not. You see, being a child of God does not stop when you are now born again. Is, is, that is, you have come into a relationship. But to operate as a child of God, the criteria is that you must have a heart to pray for your enemies. You must have a heart to love those who hate you. It has a, you see, because you see, then we shall know whether you are a child of God or not. So when you say, our father, he looks at you. Say, but you, you only love those who love you. Look at what he said. Let's go further. Is somebody getting something right now? Okay. He said, verse 45. He said, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt Agberu. Tax collector Agberu is the word for Agberu. So even the bad Agberu guy, all right, do that much. Verse 47. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Verse 48. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is what? Perfect. Is somebody looking at me now? Look at me, everybody. How you treat me and how I treat you as a role to play when I'm praying, whether God will answer my prayer or not. So not all prayer is hindrance is from the hell, from the devil. Not every hindrance to prayer is caused by the devil or because God has not heard it, but because you are not walking in love. You know, a man came to offer sacrifice, Matthew 5, 23. Look at it. 
and look at what Jesus said to him. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, there and there rememberest that thy brother had ought against thee. Say, and you suddenly remember that someone asked something against you. Alright? What did he say? Verse 24. Look at it. Verse 24. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. One of the sacrifices we offer is praise. So, you know, as you are praising God, say God wants to bless you for those prayers. He wants to answer your prayers. But, you see, the Holy Spirit will bring into your remembrance all things. And one of the things he will bring to your remembrance is that, hey, you remember that you, didn't, you have not been treating your wife well. You've not been treating your sister well. You've not been treating that man well. God said, you see, how you treat that man is much more important than what you are doing right now in church. How you, you have treated that man, that woman, that brother, that girl, that boy. You say, how you relate to one another is much more important than what we say, your goodness is running after. He's running after me. Oh, he said, now let us pray. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. He said, no. He said, that is not the starting point of prayer. The starting point is that check yourself. Are you walking in love with other people? Do you really love people? Do you really care for people? Or right there, your neighbor, you left your neighbor and you're, you, are, you are still not in good relationship with your neighbor. It's fire for fire. Saying you are wasting your time. You are wasting your time. You are wasting your time. God said, you, he, he said, you know, he said, walk out of that service and go back home. Go back home, make things right, then come back. Because see, no matter the prophecy the pastor releases on you, no matter the prayer he prays for you, because you don't have the good relationship with that person, it's a waste of time. Do you know that quite a number of times we come to church, for a lot of people sometimes, they just come to waste their time. They just come to waste their time. Because God looks at them and says, you are not following what I'm saying. Is somebody with me? Now, you see, you must understand why this is important. Jesus came to demonstrate this himself. Let me say something to you. You know, in the temple, for 400 years, when they were expecting the Messiah, they have what we call the Messiah seat. So in the temple in Jerusalem, they have the Messiah seat. Every synagogue has it. Because they were expecting this Messiah. And what was it that was prophesied about the Messiah? Follow me to Isaiah 61. Look at it. Isaiah 61, everybody. Look at what was prophesied about the Messiah. The Spirit of the Sovereign God, verse 1. New Living Translation. You can give me a new. Okay, good. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Verse 2, we are about to see something about Jesus. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's what? The time of what? Oh, are you sure you are in Isaiah 61 verse 2 now? To tell them that the time of what? Oh, are you in church? Open your Bible. You know, when I'm talking and you, when I, when I say, hey, and you are looking at me like this, it means I'm confused. So you, you should, I, even a pastor needs some encouragement. So, you know, let's really, he has come to tell me that what? This is, let's read verse 2 together, everybody. Let's read verse 2 together, everybody. One, two, go. All right. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, what's the latter part? And with it, the day of what? God's anger against their enemies. Pause. So, the day the Messiah comes, he's supposed to do two things. Favor and what? Anger, right? Of God. This is what the Messiah is supposed to come and do. He's supposed to de declare the Lord's favor. At the same time, he's supposed to declare the Lord's what? Anger. Now, let's see when Jesus the Messiah came. Luke chapter 4. He took this scroll. He entered the temple on that day. He sat on the Messiah's seat. And the Bible said, what is this guy doing? 
Because everybody in the temple knew the implication of what he was doing when he sat there. And he, re- he asked for the scroll. He said, give me the scroll. This was after he had fasted for 40 days. So he sat on that chair. Then he opened to Isaiah 61. And he read it verbatim. But now let's look at something that changed. Because Jesus was telling us. Remember he said that a new commandment I have come to give to you. Love your enemies. Right? Pray for those who despisefully use you. Now look at it. Look. So let's look at when Jesus read Isaiah 61. What did he do? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. Isaiah, look for 18 now. I'm reading Luke for 18. So this is when Jesus read Isaiah 61 in Luke 4, 18. But look at what he said. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Verse 19, watch now, pause. And that the time of the Lord's favor has what? Come. What is missing there, Bible student? What is missing there? Do you realize that Jesus just stopped with favor? He didn't put anger there. Because you see, John chapter 3 said, God did not send his son to, in what, to condemn the world, but that all will be saved through him. So when Jesus read Isaiah 61, he just put a full stop at the point of favor. And he did not declare anger because we are not in the season of God's anger. We are in the season of God's favor. Hallelujah. He said, this is not my mission. In the Old Testament, they always know that the Messiah will come with this anger and do everything. But Jesus said, no, I have come to declare the favor of God. I have come to declare the love of God. He didn't come to condemn or judge people. He came to give them life. Another part you are going to see right now. You think this was a mistake. There's another great prophecy. In Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Go to Joel chapter 2 verse 28 again. Two times the scripture was altered to confirm the mission of God in, for us. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Is somebody with me? So it said, then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see what? Visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Verse 30 now. I will cause wonders in the heavens, and on earth, blood and fire columns of smoke. Verse 31, everybody. Give me, give me in K- NKJV, New King James Bible, please. Give me in New King James Bible. Now look at verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the what? Great and... But no. NKJV changed it. Go back to KJV. I want to see what KJV actually called it. Before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. So every scripture, they were expecting to the great day Remember favor and anger? They were also expressing what? Great day and what? Terrible day. But do you know why uh, NKJV changed? NKJV saw when it was fulfilled. So he went to go and bring it. So go back to Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit then came upon them when it was, this scripture was fulfilled. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2. And uh, let's read from NKJV now from verse 20. And I'm going to tell you something. So, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, NKJV called it the great and awesome day. He changed it. Peter was saying it's not a terrible day when the Holy Ghost comes. It's going to be what? Awesome day. So, it means the season we are, you can call it the season of God's favor, 
or a season of awesome day. It tells you the kind of people we ought to be. Now, was this scripture fulfilled? Yes, it was fulfilled. When was the sun? When was the sun turned into darkness? Did the sun really turn to darkness? Yes, the sun really turned into darkness because the Bible said when Jesus was crucified, remember when Jesus was crucified, that suddenly there was darkness everywhere. You didn't read it? Go back to Matthew 27. He said there was darkness everywhere. So the sun turned to darkness. But what about the moon? What about the prophecy about the moon? The moon turned blood. I submit to you this morning that that moon was referring to Jesus. How did I know? Because remember the dream that um, Joseph had. That Joseph, you know, he said, he, he told his father, he said, I saw both the sun and the moon bowing before me. Remember? And the father said, no, you mean that my, you know, what does it mean? He said, my, myself and your mother are you saying we will bow before you? You know, so when they hear the word sun and moon, now how does that relate to Jesus? The God is the sun because the moon does not have any light of itself. All right, the moon does not have any light of its own self. So the moon draws light from the sun. Remember what Jesus said that everything I do, the works that I do, they are not of my own works, but they are my what? Father's work. All right. So he said, the every he said the, the everything you see, he said, I can do nothing of my own. Unless the father we do that sent me, he said, is he that doeth it with me? You know what Jesus was saying? That my father is the son. I am what? The moon. So on that cross, when he shed his blood, the moon actually turned blood. Hallelujah. The moon actually turned to blood. All right. Then after the sun and the moon turned to blood, then the Holy Spirit then came on the day of Pentecost. So it was practically fulfilled. But the Bible said that season, the words we no longer see the anger of God. What we are going to start seeing is an awesome God. He's an awesome father. He's an awesome God. So we are in the season of God's favor. We are in the season of God's mercy. So God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. You've made terrible mistakes. You have fumbled. You, you know, when we, when, when we make some mistake, we imagine some, some people who have told you, I don't know whether you heard it when you were growing up, that you know, that God is very angry. But whenever God is angry, Jesus will then go before the Lord, like, you know, like a, like a Jesus said, Father, see my hand, see my hand. And when God wants to judge them, then they will see the hand, see the hand, and said, okay. You know, that was the kind of picture they painted about God for us, right? I don't know whether you heard that it's like he's an angry God that is full of anger, you know, but if not for Jesus that is always saying no, 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 and he said anytime God wants to do something, he looks at the blood and it will change his mind. Actually, that is a demonic teaching. Why? Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If God did not love us, Jesus would not have shown up. Jesus would not have shown up. God loves you. I said he loves you. Hallelujah. This is the foundation of miracle. You cannot end miracle. You cannot. It's not your prayer that makes miracle to happen. It's your understanding that God loves you. You see, when you want to receive a miracle, you see, you need to create the image in your mind that you are talking to your father who loves you dearly. So he sees your pain. He sees your knees. And he sees, he sees every tears that falls from your eyes. He's never condemning you. The days of condemnation is over. The day of God's anger is over. The day we are now is the day of God's favor. It's an awesome day where we can call him have but father hallelujah yeah he's a day where we can call him Abba father you've messed up you've done so many abortions in your life you fornicated severally you've made so many mistakes listen to me the best person to run to is your father do you know why because he's a father that has compassion that image that run away, run away. No, it is actually run to him, run to him. Nobody can love you like God. So when I'm praying for a miracle, 
You see, he looks at me and he delights to bless me. Not because I know how to pray much, but because I know he's my father. Now, why is this important? This is why you should then realize that you should, you are, we are now being called. When the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel that we are told to preach is not the gospel of God's anger. It's the gospel of the lost favor that is an awesome God. And so when they look at you at your place of work, all right, everybody should see the love of God in, your, in, in, in you, radiating through you. Now, you see, you need to understand this because how does this have a bearing with your prayer? If you then don't relate to people with love, you are actually adulterating the image of God. Why is it that so many children of God are not being blessed anymore? Because they are no longer representing God. They represent themselves. You see, let me tell you who a child of God is. A child of God is one that knows how to bring out the best in other people. You see, because in every human being, there is a treasure. You see, when a miner enters into the gold mine, all you will see in the gold mine are dust, rocks, different sand. But the miner knows that in the midst of this sand, there is a treasure there. So the miner keeps bringing out all the sand together. He brings out all the dust. And do you know what the miner does? Miners begin to sieve. There's a way they sieve. And they can carry so... I, I saw a mining distance one day. They entered into the mud and they were just so dirty. You see, in the mud, you were seeing mud, but they knew that something is there because gold don't appear as gold. The gold don't glitter until it is refined. So you see, they begin to sieve, but somehow... Plenty dust, plenty clay, plenty mud. You see, as they are sieving it, as they are sieving it, as they are sieving it, then they will spot the treasure. It can be one small tiny gold in the midst of plenty wastes. When Jesus said to you, love your enemies, it's because in every person, there is a treasure in them. You see, the word focus on the dust the world focus on the clay. The world talks about the part that is not good in them. But when they contact you, you are not focusing on the clay, on the dust, or what is not good. You are, your own focus is that I'm going to bring out the treasure in everyone that comes across my way. That is what God does. Don't you realize that anybody that comes across Jesus, he brings out the best in them. Peter never knew he can be a preacher. He was just a fisherman, all right? He had not gone into the school of, of, of religious study, but Jesus brought out the preacher in Peter. Paul was a killer of the people. He was murdering people. But as Paul was murdering, Jesus looked at him and said, there is a treasure in this bad guy. And he went for that treasure. And Paul became a blessing. If Paul or Saul was to be in our generation, he would have been dead long time ago. Because the Bible did not say it was just, he was actually killing them. He was murdering them. He was there. He was the one holding the cloth when they were stoning Stephen. We would have cast fire from heaven over Paul. But Jesus us knew that in the clay there's a treasure there's a treasure in every clay so being a christian is to be able to look at someone and say i'm going to dig out the treasure in you i'm not going to talk about the clay i'm not going to talk about the dirt i'm not going to talk about the sand or the mud my my assignment as a child of god in your life is to locate the treasure in the midst of the dust that is what christianity is all about it's not our Bible. It's not the tongues. He said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I have no love, he said, it's an empty symbol. He said, if I burn, if I give all my gift to the poor, but there is no love, he said, I'm making a mistake. It's not acceptable. A child of God must be able to bring out the treasure in people. There's a treasure in people. So when you, when you come across someone, you see, you know, because you see, let me say this, anybody you come across, Regardless of how bad the person is, if you are a child of God, you will know that in every bad, there is still a good there. 
Don't focus on the external package. Don't you realize when the brother woman caught in the adultery? Caught in adultery. And the law said, no, you should stone. Somehow, when that woman came to Jesus, Jesus said, there's a treasure in this woman. She has fumbled. She's made a mistake. The rest of the world felt there is, she's no longer good or dim for society. So what did they do? They pick up stones. It is wrong for you as a child of God to pick up stones. The world can pick up stone, but we are to pick up love. We are to look at just like Jesus. By the time Jesus was through with that woman, she had another chance to live again. Jesus said, go and sin no more. But the word said, no, you cannot stop sinning. Didn't you read in John chapter 4 that a woman who have had not five boyfriends, not six boyfriends, six legitimate husbands. No, 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 no. She must have been so beautiful, irresistibly beautiful that six men could risk their life marrying her in the same community. Oh, you go die. Oh, I prefer to die, but I go marry this woman. Oh, I go marry him. I go marry him. And they died. They said, oh, you go die. Oh, I go die, but let me marry him. Even now for one year, I will marry him. There's a treasure in her. Who with her? You know? You went and said, I have met a man who told me everything I've ever done. Hey! What is the good news in the fact that you have met, you have slept with seven men, you've been married to seven men and they all died. There must be a way Jesus communicated with her that she found that her pain turned to her testimony. Jesus gave her a hope again. When people meet with you, do they feel, do they have hope or they feel like committing suicide after you talk to them? This means to be of God. And this is why we are not receiving miracles anymore. Because you see, we concentrate on the hand of God and we don't focus on the heart of God. Our concentration is on his hand. How much he can give to us, but we focus less on his heart. It's those who have his heart that enjoys his hand. Those who have the heart of God, they are the ones that enjoys what? The hand of God. You need to understand this. That this is one of the areas you give back to the greatest miracle of your life. Miracle will no longer be an occasion. It will become a daily occurrence in your life. Because as he is, so are you in this world. Our commission therefore today is bring out the best in people. I'm going to give you an example. Yesterday I was in church. And um, I, I began to hear some noise in the premises. So it was um, Martin's two boys, two brothers. I call them Man United because there are two men who are united. Okay, two men, Martin's and Abel Bay. All right. They were rallying against another girl. And this girl was bigger than their, them. And you know the funny thing? The girl only had problem with the senior one called Martin's. But the brother said, if you have problem with my senior brother, you also have problem with me. They are not so tall, all right, but they are man united, all right. So, so as the girl was saying, I'm going to beat you now, you know, the brother said, you can't beat me. Then the junior brother said, you can't touch her, you can't touch her, you know. So I look at this man you team, all right. Now, what they were doing was very, very wrong. Now, I was preparing for service. I was preparing for service. But you know, somehow, even what I was preparing for, I touched my life. So before, I would have come out and say, hey, you are very rude, you know. And you say a lot of things, kill them, throw them, you know. But I looked at them, I just fell in love with them. So what a good combination. That's how I came up with that name, mind you. <laughs> they mind you. He said, because they are mind united. So I know what they were doing was wrong, but now my approach has to change. I want to bring out the best in them. I want them to be a better brother because I don't want them to lose that bond. So I came out. So I said to them, hey, guys, come. And when they see me, they started sweating. All right? They started sweating. Oh, the big man is here. So I said, hey, guys, so what are you, what are you doing? Well, okay, so what did, the, what did they teach you in, Bible, in the Bible? Said, the Bible said that you should abuse. Say said, no. But the Bible said that on love... 
your neighbor, right? Now, what you are doing, is it love? They said, no. Now, what you're doing, does it, okay, how old are you? He said, this one said, I'm five or four. This one said, I am nine. So I asked the girl, how old are you? He said, I'm 12. So I said, okay, six minus 12 equals what? Six. So that means if we remove you from her, she will still be standing. Say, yes, sir. Okay, good. Nine minus 12, very fantastic brain. Instantly, it's a three. Okay, so if you remove nine from three, all right, it means three. That means even if we remove you, that means three years, this person will still be around before you came, right? It's been around before you can say, yeah. Now, what you are doing, does it glorify Jesus? He said, no, sir. What do you think Jesus would say of you? He said, he will not be happy with us. I said, so what do you think you should do? He said, we should say, we are sorry. So why don't you go and say that right now? Say, we are sorry, sir. And they went on their own. So they went to the girl and said, we are sorry. They said, we are sorry. I said, sister, when people say you are, they are sorry, what do you also do? So I'm, I also say I'm sorry to them. I said, why don't you say I'm sorry? Why don't you give them a hug? And, they, you know, they gave themselves a hug. They gave themselves a hug. And, you know, that was it. You know, it's not everything that requires Cain. Because, you see, I want that lesson to stay with them. Now, do you know what I just saw in them? I decided to look at how I don't focus on the big package, which is a, what a lot of us focus on when people do wrong. We focus on the package, so we go like the world, we pick up stone, and we begin to stone, we begin to stone, we begin to stone. But a Christian don't focus on the clay. What are we looking for? The treasure. The treasure. And when your heart is like that, when you stand before God, and you say, my father, before you ask, the Bible says it will begin to do it for you. This morning we are going to be praying. But I really want you to pray. You know one of my prayer right now is, Lord, every human being, listen to me. We are created to love and give out love. That's our mission. Because the Bible said that God is love. So in other words, love created us. Okay? So when we don't give out love we are not complete and when you are also not receiving love we are not complete no but no human being becomes better when you say negative words to them you are useless you are a useless woman you are a wicked son i'm so disappointed in you you are bad you are this you are that because that is not the language of love so do you realize that people actually get worse they don't get better they you know because you are actually tearing down the wrap of love around their lives Nobody gets better with such words. Are you saying we should not say it? Yes, I'm actually saying that we can look for the better words to say. Because Jesus never, we always have to, we, no, let me say this with it. Jesus always knows how to actually celebrate love in people. So, you see, don't tear the package of love. Make it better when it comes around you. When was the last time you look at somebody? That's, that's actually why I said, go to somebody and say, you are looking amazing today. You are looking gorgeous. You know, when I call people, I say, esteem XYZ. I, your excellence, I say your extreme sister. You know, because whatever you celebrate becomes better. Whatever you celebrate, appreciate. Even though I know that that man may not be the best, but you begin to use, I love him. You are a good man. You are a good husband. You are a great guy. Oh, I looked at you and, you know, when anybody miss at you, look for a word to make them so, you know, make an, a, an emotional deposit in their life. Oh, 